Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hello there. Welcome to the program. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. I'm Gary Zimak. I'm going to be here with you for the next 30 minutes. This week, we are going to look at the Mass readings for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. The message all is all about the authority of the Church. It's a good one this week. And this is something that is, is really important for us to understand, this biblical uh, account or establishment of the authority of the church. You know, sometimes we forget the fact that Christ, or some people don't understand, or we don't think about, I should say, the fact that Christ founded a church to continue his work, and he is still active in that church today. Well, today we're going to see some biblical basis for that belief in the authority of the church. So glad you're with me. I'm really excited that we're able to spend this time together each week, and I invite you to, to do what we do at the beginning of every show right now, to sit back, to relax, and to recognize that we are in the presence of Almighty God, and we're about to speak with Him. I'll lead, you follow, and let's speak to the Lord. Let's ask for what we need. But before we do, just let's recognize that we are in His presence. You can't see Him, but that's okay, because He is invisible. He is still here with us. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you. Once again, you are here with us. We're so grateful for that, this opportunity to be able to address these words to you. Father, we thank you for creating us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for providing for all of our needs from the time we were first created up until the present time. We know you're going to continue to provide for us. Thank you for not leaving us orphans. Father, we know that you established a church. We're going to be talking about that today. We thank you for doing that, for giving us that security in the Catholic Church founded by your Son, Jesus Christ, under the leadership of the apostles. We're going to see examples of that today. We're so grateful for the church, Father. And we ask you to bless us, to bless our families, our friends, anyone who has asked for our prayers, anybody who is hurting today in any way. We pray for the church. We pray that the church will continue to draw many people close to you, Father, through the work of your son, Jesus, as he continues to work through his church. 
Father, I ask you to send me a special outpouring of your Holy Spirit today so that I can deliver the message that you would like me to deliver. And also, Father, I ask you to open each of our hearts and each of our minds so that we can hear and react to the message in the way that would please you. And Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Always feels good to pray with you, and I thank you again for, for not for just being here, but for spending this time in prayer with me. So I'm excited to get into these readings, but before I do, I want to welcome you to the program. If you're new, this is your first time. Boy, welcome. Thank you for, for joining us. My name is Gary Zimak, and uh, we do this each week. We do this each week, and we deliver this message to you, courtesy of a number of Catholic radio stations and podcasting outlets. So there's a lot of different ways to listen to this program. However you happen to be listening, I'm just thankful that you are listening and that you join me. We're a family here. This is not just me speaking into a microphone. You and I, we're family. We're hanging out together, and uh, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to do so. If you want to find out more about my work, I invite you to visit my website, followingthetruth.com. That's followingthetruth.com. And just, I guess, over the past couple weeks, I've been getting more requests for speaking engagements, some even for this year. So I, you know, I do have availability for this year. If you want to try to work it into your parish or your conference schedule, just visit me at followingthetruth.com and let's talk about it. Let's talk about how to bring me in as a speaker. But the big thing is Lent of 2024. That's starting to fill up right now. If you are interested in a give up worry for Lent, two or three day parish mission, a retreat, a talk, whatever you want, please contact me as soon as possible at Gary at followingthetruth.com or by visiting the website followingthetruth.com. And let's set that up. Lent is my busiest time of year. Ever since Give Up Worry for Lent came out, I've been extremely busy and I love it. So Lent's a tough time to, to schedule me, but it's it's the time that I do my most work. I have openings for Lent of 2024. But as I said, they're starting to get filled up, or they really are getting filled up. So please contact me as soon as possible. Again, my website is followingthetruth.com, or you can email me directly at gary at followingthetruth.com. All right, let's look at these mass readings. And they're not overly long today. They're, they're relatively short, but boy, they are powerful. You know, the challenge for me in doing this program is that sometimes I get long readings, you know, I look at the Sunday readings. Sometimes they're longer than others. Sometimes the message is a difficult one to determine. Today, I think it's pretty obvious. You look at all these readings and how the church put them together, and I think it's clear that the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize the authority, recognize and be thankful for the authority of the church. You know, the word authority, it's kind of a dirty word in our society anymore. We don't like that. We don't like to be told what to do. We don't like the word obedience either. But when you think about it, the Lord wants us to be happy. Sometimes we don't realize that, but he does. I can promise you that. He wants us to be happy. More than that, however, he wants us to get to heaven. And in order to do that, we need to have some security. We need to have a secure set of instructions 
so that we don't try to just do our own thing and think we're doing what's best. And that's the beauty of the the authority of the church. Jesus established a church to be able to speak authoritatively on his behalf. And you know, you when you when you really think about it, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you you have to have one truth. You can't have multiple conflicting truths. Either something is the truth or it isn't. Right? And that's the that's the beauty of the church. Speaking with the authority given to her by Jesus himself the church can lead us to the truth. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. As I do each week, I start off with the gospel. We let the gospel lead the way. And then we'll look at the other readings chosen by the church to support the gospel. The gospel is a familiar one today. You've heard it before. It's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Let's take a look at it. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, And he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I think this is an interesting question. Now remember, he's speaking to his disciples. Really, these are the apostles, referred to often in the Gospels as the disciples. So he's he's asking them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Note that at this point, he's not saying, who do you say that the Son of Man is? He's getting an opinion the opinion of others who have heard Jesus, listened to his message, and he's asking his his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So as you can see, there's a little confusion among the people who have heard Jesus speak, who have witnessed his miracles, There's a little confusion, and the disciples here, or the apostles, are just reporting what they've heard. Well, this is who people are saying you are. But then he says to them, now hear this, he addresses this question to them once again. He's talking to not anybody specifically, but to the disciples. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And I want you to notice this because this is an easily missed point, kind of subtle. He speaks to the group. Who answers? Simon Peter said in reply. So you can see even here that Simon is assuming this role of spokesman for the group. Now watch what happens. Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now understand what's happening here. Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. He's not saying John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Peter speaks out and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in reply, and this is important because we're going to hear Jesus and his assessment of what Peter said. Jesus said to him in reply, and remember, he's not talking to the whole group now. He said to him in reply, he's talking to Peter. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Jesus is recognizing the fact that Peter was inspired by God to proclaim what what he just said. This wasn't just Peter's opinion. He was inspired. 
And so I say to you, Jesus continues, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. It was not yet time for Jesus to fully reveal his identity and his mission because he still had work to do. But it is absolutely clear here that Jesus speaking to Peter gives him the authority to, number one, lead the church, and to, number two, bind on earth and bind what bind on earth and bind and loose on earth. So in other words, he has got the authority to speak and act on behalf of Christ and his church. So this is where we as Catholic Christians look at this and see the biblical basis for the papacy, for the pope, the vicar of Christ on earth. Right here, we see an example in Scripture where Jesus is giving Peter the authority. And that authority has continued down to the present day. And look, that's a big deal. That is a big deal to have this leader, this representative of Jesus on earth, the Pope. And on behalf, speaking on behalf of the church, he has the ability to speak with authority. Now, that does not mean that if the Pope says something off the cuff or makes a comment, that it's automatically inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking on behalf of the authority of the church. The Pope can say things off the cuff and spontaneously and not be speaking in that manner. And, and, you know, we have the bishops, too who have the authority, the magisterial authority of the church, to teach us, to guide us, to help us, to hear and follow the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ as spoken through the church. No matter who the Pope is, he is given this this authority by Jesus. And you know, I, I have to say, sometimes, depending on who the Pope is, People like them, they don't like them. And this goes for Catholics too, and this concerns me. Because the office of the papacy is established by Jesus Christ. There are certain popes that are that people find more appealing than others, and it's not always the same one. One person might love John Paul II. One person might like Benedict XVI better. Somebody might remember John the 23rd or Paul the 6th. Oh yeah, he was the he was the best pope ever. They all have their own personality traits. They all have their own manner of speaking. Pope Francis. Some love what he has to say. Some can't stand it when he says something, right? I mean, you know this. We got we just absolutely have to remember this particular passage of the gospel. And Jesus sets up the office of the papacy. He sets a leader of his church, and he establishes the church, and he gives the church the authority. Whether you like the current pope or not, 
and this goes for any subsequent or preceding pope, whether you like them or not, they have the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. Thank God they do. And you know, we don't always have to understand everything that the pope says or the bishops. If we spend too much time criticizing, and this is nothing new, it's not just Pope Francis who's being criticized. This has gone on for a long time. And it'll continue to go on. I don't like what that Pope said. Or did you hear what he said? We need to remember this. You're going to find peace if you remember what's happening here. You're going to find peace. And sometimes we think, oh, this is, this is it. The church is, the church is falling apart. The church is falling apart, whether or not, you know, it might be a pope, it might be the bishop, it might be your parish priest, it might be your diocese, it might be any number of things. It might be your friend down the street who left the church, and you think, oh, this is it. This is it. The church is falling apart. But that's when we turn back to this incredible Bible passage where Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. The church isn't going anywhere. Sure, the church can be battered. Sure, the church can be weakened. Sure, the numbers might be down. This world is in heaven. The church is an institution. It's both an earthly and a heavenly institution. And the church is bigger than any of the individuals contained in the church. You look at Peter. Peter messed up quite a bit. And in fact, right after this gospel, he's going to mess up again. And Jesus is going to have to say to him, get behind me, Satan. Right after he established Peter as the head of the church. So just because somebody has personality defects and they're officially a member of the leadership of the church, the hierarchy, doesn't mean the church is going to fall apart. You know, people like you and me, we can mess up and and not and everybody's not going to freak out when we mess up. But if somebody in a leadership role, the pope, a bishop, a priest messes up, then all of a sudden people tend to panic. Don't panic. And remember that one of the original 12 chosen by Jesus was Judas. He was a bishop. The apostles, the the bishops are the successors of the the apostles. Jesus chose Judas. Do you think it surprised him what Judas did? No, but he gives us an example that he can work with the weak, the imperfect sinners of the world. So don't ever panic. You look at Judas as an example. The church is still going strong, even though Judas did the unimaginable. Peter wasn't too good either. Remember what happened when Peter ran away from Jesus and denied him in his hour of need. And yet the church is still going strong. I I read this. I'm dwelling on this. I spend time on this because I want you to take comfort in these words. This is what Jesus said. He set up Peter as the Pope, and he said, upon this rock, you, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Will there be stormy times? Yes. Will there be rough sailing? You bet. Where where will there be events that will shake our faith? Possibly. But stay strong. Go back to this Bible passage. 
Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And remember that Jesus said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to continue to lead you through my church. And in fact, our salvation comes through the church and her sacraments. So let's go to the first reading, a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 22, verses 19 through 23. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority. Now, this is, this is, this is a God giving an individual authority. So this is why this reading is chosen to support the gospel. The authority belongs to the Lord. He can give it to who he chooses. Back to the reading. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. Opening and shutting the keys of the kingdom, right? That gospel... Whatever you bind, Peter, on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter, as the leader of the church, I give you authority. We see that in the gospel. We see that in the first reading. The responsorial psalm today is Psalm 138. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. How does the Lord not forsake the work of his hands, you and me? Through the protection of the church. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth in the presence of the angels. I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple. I will give thanks to your name because of your kindness and your truth. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And this is what we see in the, in, the, in the church. Lord's not forsaking us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. He's giving us that safe passage that we need. Because I don't have to tell you, the world's an ugly place. The world's a dangerous place, spiritually especially. We can easily mess up our salvation if we listen to the wrong people. So the Lord gives us the church, the teaching, the one true church and her teaching to help us. I need that because sometimes I think, well, here's what I think God wants me to do. And it's quite possible I'm wrong. I might have good intentions, but I could be wrong. This is why I love the fact that our Catholic Church has a a body, a solid body of teaching, which guides me. Because in our society now, looking at the year 2023, we have different problems due to technology, different dilemmas, different moral dilemmas than the people did in the time of our Lord. Times change. 
So we need the unchanging guidance of the church to look at a particular development, whether it's artificial intelligence or abortion or end-of-life issues or whatever it is, and to guide us to speak with the authority of Jesus. Because you can't find everything in the Bible. It might be there, but you don't always know how to apply those teachings to the present-day problems. And that's the beauty of the church. I'll tell you what, I am so thankful for the guidance of the church. Let's look at the second reading, another short one, Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. So, you know, let me just pause here and reflect for a minute. I might not know how to handle a particular situation that arises. I might have a moral dilemma. I want to do the right thing, but what do I do? I'm not really sure. God knows the answer. He knows what he wants me to do, but I don't always know what I'm supposed to do. How do I figure it out? Through the guidance of the church. And it doesn't mean we don't have to pray and seek out guidance on our own. Sometimes after looking at what the church teaches, we still have a choice to make to fall into those guidelines. You know, I might be under the, uh, I might be following a teaching of the church in a particular area, maybe like a job-related issue or something, but maybe there's a choice that God wants me to make where I have two choices, but one will please him a little bit more, and both might be moral. So that's where my prayer My reception of the sacraments is still necessary because sometimes even within a teaching of the church, I have to make a choice. But the first thing to do if you have a decision to make is see what the church says. I mean, that's a great rule of thumb. Back to the wisdom of God. Paul writes, how inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given the Lord anything that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him all are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. How do we know the mind of the Lord? Through his Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit inspires the church and leads the church. And as members of the church, you and me, he inspires us too individually as part of the church. So if you as you see all these readings this week point to the authority of the church. If you do what the church says, you are going to be fine. As human beings, sometimes we have a tendency to question. Well, I don't understand. Well, you don't have to understand. I mean, that's what faith is all about. And that doesn't mean you're just a blind follower. No, not at all. But based on the fact that the Lord is trustworthy, and he's proven that. He's proven that throughout history. Then we as Christians choose, can choose, we don't have to, but can choose to trust him even when we don't understand. The book of Job's a great example of that. Job never got any specific answers to his questions. The only real answer Job got was, Job, I'm God, you're not. And you know what? Job recognized that as being good enough. So when we submit to the authority of the church, even when we don't always understand, we trust that since Jesus established his church, 
and we clearly saw that in the gospel, and gave Peter, the leader of his church, the authority to speak definitively on behalf of Jesus, then we are in good shape by trusting the church to lead us. Sound good? All right. Hey, um, man, I got fired up today. This is a good show. I, uh, I really appreciate you spending time with me. We are just about out of time. I want to invite you to uh, please continue to follow me, followingthetruth.com. Pray for me. I will pray for you. If you need anything, just shoot me an email. And remember, as long as you listen to the church, you are going to be in good shape. That's how you're going to get to heaven. Really as simple as that. Have a fantastic week. God bless you. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.